This is Ontario Fury Captain Israel Cisse, and you are listening to Striking Fury with Philly and the Panda. What's going on, Fury Faithful, and welcome to another episode of Striking Fury with Philly, the Panda, and the Doctor. We are 25 right now, a quarter of a century years old in terms of podcast numbers. For those of you who don't recognize my voice, I am the self-proclaimed in the East and the self-proclaimed host of the East Coast. Christian Philly Philemon, and hanging out with me in world-famous Philemonster Studios, if you heard a bit of a ruckus, that's the fourth member of this podcast, that's my Siamese cat Schmitty McMittens, he just passed my uh, my beautiful co-host and wife, Amanda the Panda Philemon. What's going on, Fairy Faithful? I am watching our cat wreak havoc in the podcast studio, and it's got to be because we have light in here finally, and you can actually see what's going on and what is on. On our table, so he's knocking everything to the ground. Which, hey, let's cause some ruckus in here ourselves with this podcast tonight. What do you think about that, Jonathan? Well, on the four hundredth day, Philly created light. <laughs> More like the six hundred and fiftieth day. And for those of you who don't understand what's going on, it's kind of been an ongoing joke for for quite some time. So back before COVID and back before the year twenty twenty, sometime maybe around Thanksgiving of twenty nineteen, uh, the light bulb and world-famous Philomonster Studios, I say that because my our voices have been heard in several countries, so Lord knows we're world-famous. The, the lights and the ceiling, they, they went bye-bye. And you think that would be an easy fix? Sure. <laughs> it is an easy fix if you have a 12-foot ladder. The problem is, I don't have a 12-foot ladder, and it needed to be an A-frame. It couldn't be anything that you stand on the wall, because that would be a, a, a neck-breaking incident. And there's nobody I knew that had one of these ladders. Uh, I didn't want to fork out $300, $400 for something I'm barely going to use. So needless to say, for the longest time, there was no light. We were burning candles. We had lights that plugged into the USB port. That's how we maintain light. We'd bring in like one of those little IKEA like floor lamps. It Hold was- on, we're not we're not bringing in one of those little floor lamps. We're literally dragging a five foot tall lamp from your living room into world famous Film Monster Studios. But thankfully, no more. Yeah, but 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 you know, compared <laughs> to all of you guys, it's 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 five foot. It's it's little. It's- I will. S- <laughs> it's not that small. Um, <laughs> Shout out Bob Stevens. Yes. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, it was actually very intimate. I will say that. I, I kind of enjoyed the intimate light setting that we had in here prior. Um, now it's like very professional, and I feel like I'm very much under like I don't know the 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 the, the what, what am I trying to say? It's been a long day, guys. Can we just get this started? <laughs> I cannot use my words. At all. Um, it has been a long day, but, woo! you know, not long enough to where she avoided going a happy hour, huh, Panda? Always fine with a glass of wine, huh? <laughs> I did not have wine tonight. I had uh, two cocktails, uh, half a cheeseburger and half a pretzel. So let's do this. I'm ready. Yeah. Those are, like, my favorite food groups, okay? Hey, she, we're carb loading. So tomorrow in Ontario, we're doing the reindeer run. So we're going to be up really early, leaving Burbank to, to get to Ontario around 7 a.m. And you're going to burn off all that stuff. So it's you're carb loading. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be running like a reindeer. I can tell you that. No, <laughs> I, I mean, neither will I. I I'm probably going to, you know, if I can quote a Beatles song, I'm going to run like the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Well, if anyone in this room has <laughs> earned themselves a cheeseburger, it's the Mighty Panda. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And it was amazing. And uh, let's see how it feels me for tomorrow i hope it keeps me warm it's gonna be like 46 degrees i'm not sure how i feel about that running your onesie i know i'm thinking about it it is a uh, tipsy elf shout out uh it's a bear onesie it's got little bear ears and everything so i don't know do bears and reindeer get along fur Sure. Oh my God, that was the cheesiest thing. About as cheesy as the goldfish you're eating over there. Ah, uh, any more cornier, I'd be all ears. What can I say? Ha ha ha! And now, jokes. hey, stop! Don't everybody 
stop. Do not turn off this podcast. I promise you there's actual content coming up. Yeah, and, and yeah, this is just what happens when you get the three of us in a room on a Friday with, you know, nothing really to do on a Saturday other than a, a 5K run. But yes, there there is podcasting going on today. So again, big shout out to all the Fury faithful. Big shout out to all the other fans of MASL clubs that are listening to this podcast. I know we got some Baltimore Blast fans in the house. Shout out to Gio and Brad. I know we got some Utica City fans. Shout out to Matt, some Milwaukee Waves fans. Shout out to Adam. Shout out to the Mesquite, the Dallas Sidekicks folks. There's so many people from all around the MASL that have been listening to this pod. And I'm seeing that because, you know, I don't know people down in in, in Texas as, as much. And I know a lot of that had to do with George DeLeon and Nestor Hernandez. Anyway, I digress. On today's podcast, we're going to cover and highlight what happened on our preseason match that occurred this past Tuesday against Fury 2. Uh, f- from then on, what we're going to do is give you some updates in and around the club. We're going to talk briefly about Maicon de Abreu. That's don't be, don't worry. There's everything is fine. And then of course, we're going to just quickly highlight and chat about the home opener and just preview a little bit the Chihuahua Savage so you can listen to that and kind of have an idea of who to look out for. Uh, I guess before we get started, do any of you guys have any questions? I don't think I have any questions, but there was something I wanted to mention. And you had mentioned something about we have Baltimore Blast fans that listen to this podcast. And I saw uh, earlier on social media a little shout out to a very special member of the Baltimore Blast family. Uh, Unfortunately, they did lose a member of uh, their fan base who was clearly an outstanding community member. Her name was Carol Hale, and she sadly passed away. So I just want to... mom. Sad news indeed. Our hearts go out. Condolences to everyone in the Baltimore Blast family. Very, very sad news. Um, Our condolences from all of us here in the Ontario Fury. Yeah. So I just want to say that real quick while we got this going. So anyways, let's move on to some other news. Yeah, real quick. As far as like, you know, as far as the Blast is concerned and some of the other clubs, Utica City, I do also want to mention that, look, for those of you who know us and listen to the pod, you know that we haven't been part of the indoor game forever. We, we didn't even really knew it came in existence until 2018. And you know, that's embarrassing on our own behalf. But we really fell in love with it and we really got into it. And obviously the 2018-2019 season, we started with it. But we didn't really start watching all the games until, well, last year. And so we had we got plenty of opportunities to watch San Diego and Tacoma and, and Dallas and, and Florida and obviously Ontario. But it was really cool catching a, a Baltimore Blast match. They have a Secu Arena is a really nice, intimate place for a game. Looks like it'd be a lot of fun. And I love the Smurf turf over at Utica City. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, the Dallas Sidekicks. They, uh, Jonathan used to call them the Dos Logos. Why won't you call them the Dos Logos now? Well, apparently now they're the No Logos, but uh, the Dos Logos field is no more. So good to see that they're progressing, uh, although perhaps going from two to zero is the opposite of progression. But nonetheless, the Dos Logos will officially be rebranded as the No Logos in my mind. And clearly there's no New York Life sponsor on the turf anymore either. We saw a lot of New York Life Insurance Company's logo on that turf, but it was really cool seeing that. It's going to be really cool seeing the, the turf in Milwaukee. I mean, they play the blast tomorrow. Comets are going to play the sidekicks. I know Tacoma's playing San Diego. So excited to have some MASL indoor action. And speaking of MASL indoor action, let's get into what we witnessed this past Tuesday at Toyota Arena. Now, we were originally scheduled to have our match against our reserve team, Fury 2, in N2. That game was scheduled for November the 30th. But we didn't get a chance to watch it November 30th, did we, Panda? No, we did not, unfortunately, uh, because I had actually had the day off, which was perfect for this, so that I could be there for this. But I guess uh, the arena had different plans for all of us. Uh, you want to tell them what happened? Well, our hopes of a preseason match melted away, I think, is what <laughs> oh happened. <my> Just <laughs> like the ice underneath the stadium floor. Uh, oh. My bad, folks. I-, I tripped on the cord. I unplugged it. And uh, oh, unfortunately, that ice melted. <laughs> oh, the doctor. The doctor screwed things up. And for those of you wondering why we're calling Jonathan the doctor, it's simple, Fury Faithful. My man's got a PhD in personality, hence the doctor. Uh, he's 
he's also got all, everybody in his family is also a doctor. So we only figured it was the most appropriate nickname to give him. PhD in personality. Isn't that right? I'll take it. But yeah, as they were saying, yeah, the, the ice melted. So the Ontario Reign, which is the Kings minor league affiliate, they had their games canceled. The Aqua Caliente Clippers, another minor league team of the NBA affiliate Clippers, they had their stuff canceled. So needless to say, as did we. So we rescheduled that for December the 7th. Unfortunately, we got to get in the arena to watch it and it was a real fun dress rehearsal if you're wondering why you couldn't see it again it was a dress rehearsal it should be available on demand jonathan you said you saw it on the what website it is available at ontariofury.com oh okay good because earlier there was uh, a little thing where they <laughs> it was blocked because of some disney con- i don't know what was played on it what song but disney flagged it and we couldn't get to it so hopefully it's up now and we can actually see it um i actually haven't seen it and i wasn't there unfortunately because again the rescheduling interfered a bit with my personal schedule i have to definitely schedule things out because of my work uh they don't just let me off as easily as i wish they would so i could not join you guys at least not in person no we got to see you at halftime we'll talk about that momentarily so our preseason matchup was between the fury and fury 2 so fury 2 we had a fury 2 in our history so 2017 2018 there was a fury 2 their inaugural year they went seven and five lost in the first round of the playoffs the second season they went four and eight didn't make the playoffs and as a result of, you know, the life and COVID and all that other stuff, there was no more M2 Fury 2 teams, even though they were a charter member of MASL 2. And while we do have a player, though, that featured on the old Fury 2 roster, and uh, Jonathan, let me ask you, who was last season's goalkeeper of the year? I believe that was Clayson DeLima. And Panda, what team does Clayson DeLima play for now? I believe the Ontario Fury. And Panda, I'm going to give you another trick question. Uh-oh. Where did Clayson DeLima come from then if he was a... Uh... You know, on Ontario Fury, he came from where? Ontario Fury 2. Oh, oh, I didn't. Uh, she, She's a crafty one. She's clever. So that's right. So Anthony Perez is uh, is the head coach, along with a former Fury player by the name of Joey Pacheco. Joey was among the first trialists uh, for the for the Fury back in 2014. He was an Ironman player in 2015, part of like a couple of seasons with the Fury. So between him and Anthony Perez, they run out that coaching staff for Fury 2 uh, and, and Anthony Perez, really interesting story. The guy's a sheriff, and he started in a a UPSL team by the name of City Legends FC. They went undefeated that season and, you know, declared themselves champions of of their division within UPSL. Very cool stuff. And shortly thereafter, we welcomed them with open arms into into the Ontario Fury organization. So Fury 2 was given birth. And so they'll be training with the boys in Fury. Uh, and the players are going to be going back and forth, which I got to say is kind of advantageous, don't you think? Absolutely. And that Fury 2 roster has a lot of really interesting names on it, some that I think may even be featuring for Fury 1 later this year, not only presenting the opportunity for Fury 1 players or the Fury players to get a chance to go down there and get some minutes if they're riding the pine with the main team. So it's a good thing to have this back, obviously, as the world opens back up again. We're getting so much more tiers of MASL action, and it's fantastic to see a lot of these players on Fury Fury 2 have some great tenure to their history. We're talking graduates of Arsenal Academy, places like City Legends that Philly mentioned, you know, Corinthians Academy, Golden State Academy, lots of local boys from places like UC Riverside, and even some international talent as well, too, even hailing all the way from Cameroon. So a lot of really interesting talent on that roster, and I'm fascinated to see what that's going to look like later on down the season, Philly. Of course. So going into the match, the player that we were most familiar with, of course, that of Joe. Pacheco. And then as the game started progressing, we started catching the glimpse of several other players. You mentioned players that, you know, had some international ties. Brian Orozco was was a goalkeeper for for Fury 2. He played for U17 Guatemala. He also played for one of the top flights teams in Comunicaciones FC, which is playing in the CONCACAF Champions League right now. So this isn't like a powder puff club. He actually played with some legitimate talent. He was an interesting player to watch. You had Momo Guy, and Jonathan's going to give you some more info on Momo Guy, kid from Dakar, Senegal, who made his way over to Indianapolis and then found his way playing college ball in California. He was interesting. Newcomer, completely out of nowhere, no college ties to the U.S. From Cameroon, same country that gave us Uzi and Frank Tayu. You had Barnaby Nui, another interesting player. Uh, Hugo Magana, which we're going to talk about him momentarily. Uh, I mean, so many interesting players that we caught we caught gl- 
glimpses of them, and they really did impress us. But the scoring line, which you're going to hear about, isn't what's impressive because obviously we expected MAS, an MASL team to smash an M2 team, but it was really fun. I got to say, it was it was exciting to be back in the arena. You know, you mentioned the name of Brian Orozco, and certainly he was at the wrong end of quite a few shots in that first half, but I was really impressed with the former Arsenal Academy graduate. He looked really good between the pipes, and I have to say, the depth at goalkeeper for the Fury is hands down the best in the league unquestionably and seeing people like this coming up through the ranks just astounds me the quality of keeping we have on this roster i mean we we have the reigning defending masl goalkeeper of the year panda we brought another amazing goalkeeper in from tacoma we interviewed him what chris toth chris toth <laughs> i mean two of the best keepers in the league and then you have this brian orosco you have aaron servin which is another young keeper that played for um for fury two and then you got alan perez alan's been Alan Cito has been part of our organization for a little while. We saw him all over the course of, of last season. So, you know, it's we have a lot of really young, amazing talent on that Fury 2 team. And a very familiar face as our new goalkeeper coach. Why, none other than Mr. Chewy Molina himself. Another veteran of the game. The guy's won a title. He was an MVP in a final in PS- PASL. He won a title in Stockton uh, with the Cougars. Uh, Chewy, another... I mean, we have a pretty good coaching staff. And obviously, we have another former player that did play with Joey Pacheco, our assistant coach, Corey Murray, uh, another example of somebody who's had ties to the Fury from the very beginning. Love to see how it's a family organization top to bottom. And bringing back those familiar faces is something I love to see. And speaking of familiar faces, it didn't take long for the onslaught of goals to occur. Now, the one player... And we're not going to go over every single goal. I mean, we we have the stats. We could tell you the scoring line, but we're just going to kind of highlight a couple of things. But first and foremost, before we talk about his performance, what do you think of Justin Stinson's hair color? I mean, I love it. I I love pink. Pink is a great color. It's your favorite color, I'm pretty sure. It's it's also Aerosmith. And it's also (laughs) very easy to find him out on the pitch, which is really good. I think it'd be awesome for you guys as commentators for them to all have color-coded hair, and you can really point them out on the pitch. It's so funny. I was bringing up the exact same comment at the stadium, I believe. I'm like, we could just, you know, send them all to the salon and come back with different hair would make the broadcast so much easier, especially in that second half when they switched to jerseys that did not have numbers on it, which made our job much more challenging. Well, well, I do want to say this. I mean, as far as Justin Simpson is concerned, he doesn't need pink hair to stand out on the pitch, honestly. His talent alone and what he does with the ball was incredible. So, I mean, the pink just kind of accentuated and made it even that more incredible. But yes, I I loved it. But let's talk about that performance for a second. Three goals, two assists, five points on the night. And really took most of the second half off. Almost all of that damage done within the first half. Wow. Absolute wow. He is looking like an early season contender for MVP talent. Justin the Stinger Stinson. More like Justin the Talisman. I... The kid is so talented from from St. Charles, Missouri, same place as the St. Louis Ambush. He played at the West Ham Youth Academy as a kid. I mean, he is... He, I'm going to say he's world-class talent. Like, I really want this kid to be seen on, on, on the biggest stage that we can possibly show him on. And his hair, tremendous. Again, he single-handedly outdid Fury 2, but it wasn't just him. He connected with another player that um, we, we know, love, and respect very well on the Fury, and that's Nestor Hernandez. Could there be a connection going into the season, often with Nestor and with Justin? Hashtag Superman and the Stinger. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty good. I, that, I I like that. Is that another like Marvel film that's about to come out? Ser- seriously. <laughs> and, and speaking of which, by the way, I want to call you out on something. So last season, we uh, we always made a bet before an, any Fury match. And the, the bet was, what color jersey is Nestor wearing? Uh, what, what color Superman Under Armour jersey is, is Nestor wearing underneath his, his uniform? And um, I happened to catch you. You're like, oh, he's got a red one. But you said it out loud. And it registered with me. I'm like, oh, you cheeky, cheeky 
Well, I can't say that. It's a family-friendly podcast. A but cheeky monkey. A yes, che- cheeky monkey. Cheeky monkey. Yeah, you almost had me in a bad bet, and I'm glad I didn't take that bet because, uh, you know. I think you did this with Nestor last season, too. You guys colluded he, against me. I think me. he already knew. Bet against me and no, the odds are knew. ever in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never I never place successful bets. If you guys follow the NFL, I bet on the Buffalo Bills four straight years in a row, and I learned from there that um, I'm not very good at picking wins. I have a pro tip for anybody out there who is a sports better. Just find whatever team it is that Philly is supporting or is a fan of and bet against that. Just letting you know. Unless, of course, it's the Fury. <laughs> well, yeah, he can't bet for them because, you know, he, but he, soon, he commentates. But MASL yeah. fans might be able to place those bets. Uh, really interesting to see if that comes to <laughs> fruition sometime this season. Very curious to see what those prop bets are going to be as well. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that to go down and go to Vegas and like catch a catch an MASL game and, and drop a bet. So yeah, we, we talked about Justin. Justin had a fantastic game. Nestor Hernandez had a fantastic game. Uh, we had some. We had several great saves. Even though he wasn't the active keeper between the two, but Chris Toth ended the half with three really great saves. It's nice to see him in between the pipes again at Toyota Arena. He was impressive. Uh, I want to talk about Johnny Topete. He's sporting a new number. Well, two people that stood out for me, absolutely, Izzy Cisse had what I think was the goal of the game. Yeah, that's true. Hat trick performance from him, but he had a single-handed effort, stole the ball on the defensive end, marched across the entire field and put it in for what was unquestionably the highlight of the night. But I really want to focus, Philly, on one of the new additions to this Fury roster who had a fantastic game. We mentioned he's going to be filling that Charlie-sized hole in the midfield, and I was really, really impressed with the starting sophomore campaign of Willie Spur. Two goals and an assist, former taco master himself, really came in and showed some absolute dominant prowess on the turf. He's a big kid. He's tall. He's strong. He's very athletic. He's great with the ball. He he shows composure when he has the ball and, and the defender is pressing on him. He doesn't he doesn't look to pass right away. He looks to see what he can do. And you said it. He was a rookie last season with Tacoma. If we know anything about Tacoma, we know that entire offense runs through Nick Pereira. Nick Pereira, who was, again, a former member of the Ontario Fury. But Willie Spur is going to be a stud for us. And yeah, right now, I mean, we see... We saw the first glimpses of Charlie Gonzalez in a San Diego soccer's jersey. And as much as it stings, I will say after a match or two, once you all witness the talent that is Willie Spur, you're going to be asking Charlie who. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He impressed me at practice. He impressed me during this matchup. And I think he's going to be exceptionally impressive in the match on uh, next Wednesday against Chihuahua. Sporting some impressive new facial hair as well, too, Mr. Spur. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't recognize him at practice. I'm like, hey, who's that really tall guy? You mean Willie? I'm like, oh my God, I only saw like the baby face photos of him when he was on Tacoma and then at Evergreen State College. <laughs> Fantastic little, player. Little boy done grown up. Well, he done, he done grown up and he done mess people up. So yeah, he, he was outstanding. Robert Palmer was there. He played good defense. Johnny Topete in really great shape this season. Looks like he slimmed down, toned up a little. Johnny Topete there sporting a new number, number 11. He was four for the longest time. Who wore number 11? Well, it doesn't matter because he's not on our team anymore. So he was another impressive player who uh frank tayu frank the one thing that we're going to see about frank all year long is anytime he's going to get the ball you know people are going to come crashing in on him and you know they're going to pressure him they're going to knock him around they're going to try to body up against him which is not really the greatest idea but the nice thing about that is he's got so many different tools at his disposal He was constantly double teamed the entire night. The second the ball came anywhere near him, there were two players on him. I think that is going to be what we expect to see every team pull against Frank throughout the season. And if we saw a repeat performance of what we saw the other night, his ability to manage that double team and still get the outlet pass to the open man, exceptional. The king will reign. He's going to wield that mighty scepter. At one point, he got his pocket picked. (laughs) And you could see how frustrated and angry he was. He went out there, took the ball back, took command, and scored a goal. So all you got to do is, you know, anger the king. And and that's it's not going to take much for him to turn it around and and do his thing. You talk about Israel Cisse. What was an Achilles heel for us last season was that Izzy was playing hurt 
for a good portion of the year. And our captain, the longest reigning member of the Ontario Fury, nobody's played more games than Israel Cisse, looked to be in in the best form that, that he's been in. He came into the game, I noticed on his social media, posting photos of himself in his LA Galaxy uniform. So he's reminiscing to like that time period where he came out of that Montverde Academy, where he shared that locker with David Beckham, and he played like the outstanding player that he is. We need the captain to be healthy this season in order to make a dent in that Western Conference. Well, if that highlight goal of the game performance we saw the other night is any indication of his current form, he is going to be a force to reckon with this year. Without a doubt. And then a couple other players I wanted to highlight. Uh, Emmanuel Aguirre, for those of you who don't know who he is, he uh, originally came to us from the San Diego soccer. So he had a three-year contract, but at some point, I guess during COVID, perhaps there was a visa issue. I, I need to get further clarification on that. But his contract went bust. Um and he's played for some really good Liga MX teams. He played at Toluca. He played at Atlas. He played like outdoor for some really, really good teams. Solid player. He's going to be another really good defender in that back line, helping Topete, helping Izzy, helping Uzi. So, you know, want to highlight Emmanuel Aguirre. And we finally caught our first glimpses of, of Travis Pittman as well, who we also t- took from the Soccers. Yeah, definitely. Pittman um, looks like, you know, he's a recent addition to the team. Doesn't quite seem to have all the gears running in the right direction at the moment, but really looking forward to seeing what he becomes once he acclimates to this team and this system. Uh, Panda, I I really want you to just let the the listeners know what's going on and why we're laughing and what's all that crinkling. (laughs) Our cat just climbed up on the couch next to Jonathan is laying on his notes. So if the rest of this podcast is a little bit disjointed, it's because it's hard to read through a 15-pound (laughs) furball. It's hilarious. And I totally get it, Kashmiri. It's late. And you just want to be a part of all of this, as do I. I am still here. I know you guys haven't heard me say a lot, but again, like I said, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately, and I didn't get to see it. Um, I did have some other obligations, which if they want to speak about later and we can highlight, we'll let you know what I was doing. Um, but I didn't get to. So I'm actually enjoying a lot of this podcast myself because I get to kind of relive what these boys saw and a little highlight into what we're actually going to see in a little less than a week now. Well, speaking of highlights of the night, I think one of the coolest things for me and hats off to the amazing work of Mike Cepeda. Panda, you got to join us on the broadcast. I did. I did. Like I said, I didn't get to see the game, but our amazing production team, Mike, who's the main part of all of that, of course. Shout out to but, Lorenzo as well, who helps him out a lot with everything. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they were able to bring me on so that I could actually be on the broadcast and speak and just kind of like show my face, let everybody know that I was still there and was still kind of following things the best that I could from where I was at at the time. But it was really cool to be able to, to be on that and to see you guys and just know the cool things that our production team is capable of. So this is just like a small little highlight of what we're going to see throughout the season as they begin become more and more creative with things that they're able to do. Yeah, no doubt we're going to have some very special guests on during the matches. Um, I know during a production meeting with the league and with Mike too, we mentioned that we could get JP Della Camera on at some point during the game, maybe at halftime, maybe at the start of the third quarter, somewhere along those lines. But we're going to have a lot of special guests. And yeah, shout out to our production team. Also want to give a shout out to Matt Tyndall. He uh, created some unbelievable graphics on the boards. Uh, the game day production this season is going to be great. I want to give a shout out to Stry- Striker for uh, trying to bang on the boards to get the attention of the refs. That was hilarious. And um, yeah, speaking of like when you were on there, I got to admit, I was as giddy as a school kid seeing you on there. Um, <laughs> but then when Mike posted Panda and then instead of saying, oh, Fury sideline report, it said Fury, uh, Philly's better half. You know, I, I took mild offense to that. <laughs> uh, what? You already know that. I mean, I think that's oh. in our intro. <laughs> the better half of Striking Fury. I no, mean, so- no, we say one half of the husband and wife team, not the the better half of the husband and wife. Oh wait, team. maybe that's what I said. In my that's head. what you say. <laughs> hey, when you're always fine with a glass of wine, you put whatever you want in your head that you feels good. Okay, no doubt. <laughs> so real quick, it wasn't Toth that was the active keeper. Just want to highlight he only had three saves, so there weren't very many shots taken by Fury Two. However, at one point, Fury Two did make it a game. Uh, I believe it was Hugo Magano who scored a goal for Fury Two, opening up his uh, scoring checking account, if you will. That was the closest they ever were. 0-0 was the closest they ever were. 3-1 to was the second closest they ever were. And then it was off to the races. And then the boys went in at halftime, and um, they certainly did something to shock <laughs> and stress out Jonathan and I. 
Yeah, well, I got a heads up from Jeff Burham, our, our amazing owner, at halftime as I was down on the pitch getting ready for an interview with Jimmy Nordberg. He let me know that uh, a couple players that uh, we know from Fury were going to be heading over to Fury 2 for the second half. So we saw Izzy, Frank, Uzi uh, all head over uh, along with Jeff Hughes to the other team. Uh, and then it turned out Nestor Hernandez as well, too, which we didn't get a heads up on. So that kind of threw us off a little bit, but uh, worked out. And then we, interestingly, got a chance to see some of those Fury 2 players come up. And word on the street is that there might be contacts, uh, contracts potentially being offered to the trio of Alan Perez, Mustafa Guy, and Diego Magana. So very, very interesting. I think I said his last name wrong. I think it's Mayanga, if I say it right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that one for the rest of the season. I believe, as, I believe you should. Since uh, you are going to be working as a broadcaster, I'm just busting your chops. Um, I, I have to ask, though. I mean, yeah. as as broadcasters who go into these games and are like really well prepared and everything, and have all their notes and players and everything going on, what does that do to you guys when flip flops like that happen? I mean, I can't imagine that's easy. Like, you have to shift a gear that you don't probably even possess at that point no i mean obviously stuff like this doesn't happen often it harkens back to the time when david beckham was on the la galaxy and there was a time period where he spent time on the galaxy and on ac milan and it just so happened that ac milan came into town to play the galaxy and bex wore one jersey then flip-flopped and wore another which much to the dismay of the fans they did not like that i remember him getting booed but that doesn't happen often but in our case, it happened. And not only did it happen, uh, the numbers that we're used to seeing on our boys, we're used to seeing Frank with 15. We're used to seeing Nestor with nine. We're used to seeing Uzi with 70. And I want to give a shout out to him, but they were all wearing 91. <laughs> Obviously, shout out Joseph the Jet Kyrell. That was his number. But if we didn't know our team as well as we did, if we didn't recognize hairstyles and movements and, and motions Calling that game would have been a nightmare. 91 passes to the midfielder, 91. And he passes to the forward, also wearing 91. 91 to the other 91. 91 passes to 91. He shoots, 91 scores. It was literally like that. It's almost like Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball when everyone wears 42. And they're like, now betting, number 42. It's sort of the same thing. Um, Hits it to 42. (laughs) They did have like little numbers on the front of their jerseys, which helped a little. But then again, sure. If you had like those... a Hubble telescope, <clears throat> yeah. And, but those numbers were different than the numbers they were wearing yeah, yeah. in the first half. Yeah, yeah. So Frank, yeah. Frank didn't have fifteen on his shirt, uh, but obviously we know who Frank is. Christian and... Torres switched from thirty-seven to number three. It was, it was. Manny Medina had a different number on, and uh, we're we're getting to know the players on Fury too. But when they flip flopped too, it was. Uh, and obviously we didn't have much time to prepare for that. It was cool though. We thought the game would be much more competitive. Nah, I mean, spoiler alert. It ended what. 14 to 2 or was it 12 to 4 either way it was a lot to a little it was very exciting we saw an awful lot of goals and yeah that's that's the story with that although i will say something and we missed it on the broadcast <laughs> nesta hernandez probably the only player in fury history to score on each sides of the uh, of, of the turf he scored for fury too he scored for the fury that's that's a fun fact. Go ahead and store that in your fury trivial pursuit pocket there for sure there were some things about this game aside from the entertainment value of it, that I really did want to highlight. And one big thing for me was this was our first chance to see how the Fury are going to tackle the new goalkeeper rule. And this is a really big deal. We highlighted it in depth on our last pod. But for those of you who may have missed it, we'll refresh you real quick. Goalkeepers now can only touch the ball one time per possession. There are some specifics to exactly how that works out, but we saw it come into play both as a mistake on behalf of a keeper and their lack of understanding of that rule. And we also saw some interesting tactics as to how teams are going to play out the back. And especially in watching some of the other games across MASL land through the course of the last couple weeks, we've seen a couple obvious tactics come to light, which I think are very fascinating, in that most teams are obviously going to have the keeper throw the ball immediately to a defender on their near side post. We've seen a lot of teams attempt this strategy. That ball is attempted to play forward if that option is not there. The pass back to the keeper happens instantly. So at this point in time, the keeper can no longer touch the ball unless it goes out of play or is touched by the other team. 
what this results in is teams forcing a little bit of pressure and then long balls coming. And I think we are going to see a lot of this throughout the course of the year where teams get stuck. They can't play the ball back to their keeper. And so it just gets fired down into one of the corners across the pitch. And we've seen this in virtually every single MASL game so far. So that long ball that's going to create a contested aerial chance in some corner of the offensive end of the pitch is something that has played out in virtually every single game. Whether teams press or not, when they choose to press and how that works out is fascinating as well too. But we did see Clayson DeLima make a pretty noticeable error in not understanding this new rule, which we caught during the broadcast and I thought was fascinating to see the players themselves still working this out. Clayson had already touched the ball. His one possession had been used. The ball came forward and the ball was then passed back to him towards the midfield. Had he advanced across the center line, he would have been clear to touch the ball. However, he didn't make it to the ball in time. And at which point he retreated away from the ball until he was back in his own box, waiting for someone to come and take possession. Unfortunately, at that point, once the ball was touched in the box, the opposing team gets a restart at the top of the arc. However, had he touched the ball before it entered the box, the rule states that the replay would have been taken from the site of the foul. And it appeared as though Clayson did not understand that eccentricity of the rule because he then allowed the ball to retreat some 100 feet, slowly rolling back into his box before he touched it. And that allowed a greater opportunity, which ultimately did not result in a goal, but certainly something you don't want to see going forward throughout the rest of the season. And I thought that was fascinating that even the players themselves are still struggling to understand the finite details of this new rule. Fortunately, the Fury is a team that constantly pushes forward. So hopefully we're not going to see a lot of that. Chris Toth, a veteran of the game, uh, a student of it. We know that he's not going to be guilty of a lot of these infractions. But if you watch the opening weekends worth of games, Kansas City Comets, St. Louis Ambush, you, you, you would have seen the this goalkeeper penalty infraction come into fruition. And we've seen, we saw a couple of goals as a result of it. So I know there was a lot of people that weren't really happy about this rule. But I, I completely get it. When you start seeing high-scoring games, I mean, that's what you know we want. We want to see a lot of goal scoring. And the average fan is uh, is going to want to see that. And new fans who want, maybe, however curious, who just don't want to see one nothing games, they're going to be in for a real treat because we're going to see a lot of goals this season. So I have a question then. In your opinion, based on what you've seen from the games that you've watched, do you think that this is an effective rule? Is it giving the desired effect that they are wanting by implementing this rule? I know keeping it fast paced, keeping the ball moving forward, you know, and obviously resulting in goals. Is it doing what you think it's doing? I think so. And I think we're going to see a lot of goals as a result of it. Like Keith Tozer uh, has a futsal background. And so these this is a futsal that's rule. A, I would say that's a rule already with that. So I know a lot of these guys have played futsal, so it can't be entirely. I mean, I'm sure it is hard to adjust to new rules. I can't imagine playing one way your whole life. I mean, a lot of these guys played outdoor and obviously that's not a rule. So I'm I'm curious how hard it is to adjust. And if you've seen them again, you know, like, is it is it a hard adjustment for a lot of them? Sample size is a bit small right now to draw direct correlation. But most every game we've seen has been incredibly high scoring. Could that simply be? It's a new rule. It's a new season. Players are still getting acclimated to fitness and many other things. You know, we're going to have to watch the rest of the games throughout the course of this season and see how it plays out. But at the onset, it does appear to be creating more offense. And hey, look, chicks dig the long ball, right? Everybody loves goals. (laughs) Golazos, baby. That's a huge thing. And that's a huge complaint about soccer, uh, you know, outdoor soccer for here, you know, here in America is low scoring. So, I mean, that's definitely something they've tackled. And I think that they kind of want to appeal to people that, you know, are already fans of it and people that are kind of just coming on board, seeing those high scores. I think it's something that is appealing. That's what people want to get on board with. Part of me is concerned for my dear friend Philly here and, and all the broadcasters across the league. That is a lot of golassos that you guys have to yell out throughout the course of the game. We might need to get sponsored by Vicks Chloroseptic here pretty soon. 
<laughs> I mean, sure, I'll, I'll I'll take it. I I created uh, organically my my goal call for the season during the preseason match, and you'll just have to wait for the next Fury game uh, to to see it or hear it if you haven't heard it already. Anyway, so the, the results it was a it was a fun dress rehearsal match. The uh, it's it's on the Fury website if you want to go back to watch it and catch some of these Fury two players. You're gonna get to meet a lot of them because during the Fury matches themselves, the Fury two boys are gonna be helping assist Liz and Blake and, and the staff all around the arena. So you're going to get to meet a lot of these Fury 2 players. And if you want to catch their games, they're going to be playing in the Upland Arena. So you're going to have the opportunity to catch these boys uh, play. And their first game, it's going to be on the road against the San Diego Soccers. Season ticket holders for the Fury do get free admission to all those games at the YMCA. So that's a great thing. A uh, new additional perk to your season ticket package with the Fury is free admission to all the Fury 2 games. They're at the Y in Upland. So I have a question. And maybe a lot of people out there know the answer to this. So, But maybe somebody doesn't. And I'm just curious. So I know in the MLS, you can call players up from USL teams, correct? Like we called people up back and down from Las Vegas with LAFC. Is that the same case here? Like are we able to pull players from Fury 2 up into Fury, you know, need be and back and forth if if we have to? This is a great question and I'm glad you asked this because I'm sure people are going to have that. The answer is yes. Much like what LAFC did with the Las Vegas Lights, they practiced together. So Fury and Fury 2 are going to be training together. Jimmy Nordberg's going to be running things along with Joey Pacheco and Anthony Perez. So a lot of the Fury players that aren't going to get a lot of playing time with the big club, they're going to end up going down to Fury 2 to get some minutes. And likewise, if there's somebody on Fury 2 that is well-deserving of an opportunity to play in Toyota Arena, that'll be the case. So you'll have the opportunity to see all this. And Fury 2, they're going to have six home matches at the Upland Arena. Their first home game is going to be a familiar foe in that of Turlock on January the 8th. They're going to be having quite a few matches against Turlock and Soccers too, along with uh, Rio Grande Valley and Omaha. But hey, those tickets are free if you're a season ticket holder. And honestly, I think they might just be free in general. If anything, maybe a small donation. I mean, it's at the Y. I can't imagine. I, I don't know. I think they're all free. But go check them out. Their schedule is available on M2. The game against Turlock is going to be fun because if you remember, they played in MASL previously, prior to COVID. So you're going to have some pretty good talent on that team. So Fury 2 can best a team that was in MASL. That bodes really well for them going into this M2 season. You know, back to Panda's question, I do believe if Fury option a player down, they can bring them back anytime, no big deal. However, if a player comes up from Fury 2 and makes their debut, they will have to sign a professional contract with Fury 1, which can then be optioned back. But Fury 1 would have to purchase the contract from Fury 2 in order to bring a new player up. So if we end up seeing the likes of an Alan Perez, a Mustafa Guy, a Diego Mayanga come forward, there are going to be new contracts that they will have to sign in order to play for Fury. But optioning a player that is already signed with Fury 1 down to 2 and back, no problem. You can do that as many times as you want. But when a player makes their debut for Fury 1, there is some pen to paper that has to happen sure. there. Um, and that's my understanding in speaking to ownership at the game. And so, yeah, keep an eye out. I mean, there again, we've highlighted a couple of players that we, we could potentially see on Fury. So we'll wait and see. And, and speaking of M2, we want to quickly go over our, our preview for the match on December the 15th at Toyota Arena against the Chihuahua Savage. The reason why I bring up the M2 is the transition is because the Chihuahua Savage started off in M2 in 2019. They went 12 and oh, and ran through the table. They they were impressive. Panda, like, what was the goal for goal against and goal diff situation there? Oh, yeah, goals for they had 134 goals for goals against was 50. They had a plus 84 goal differential, <laughs> which is kind of insane <laughs> considering they were they played 12 games. <laughs> when you look at that, that's a lot. Yeah, but it is an awful lot. And averaging almost 11.2 goals per game is one thing. But obviously, like, you see the goals for and the goal against. They murdered people in, in M2. The only team I know that really did give them a run for their money was the Wichita Wings. But, you know, that's they had an impressive, impressive debut in M2. And 
at the uh, at the tail end of our MASL season, it was announced that in April of 21, an article written in on the MASL website that Chihuahua Savage was set to return to M2. But then a couple of months later, in in July, an article written by uh, our very own Pete Richmeyer, shout out Pete Richmeyer, we know you're a big fan of the pod, we appreciate you listening, he wrote that, well, Sonora transferred their membership, Solas to Sonora, a team that we all know very well, they transferred their membership over to the Chihuahua Savage upon certain conditions, and obviously they were met. So going into the year, Chihuahua was under the impression that they'd be an M2, but now they're going to be in MASL, and I think they're going to cause a lot of headaches for a lot of teams in this league. Yeah, and you know, look, there's some familiar faces that are going to be coming back to MASL with this team, Philly. You know, the likes of former finalists like Adrian Miller. We have Guatini Medrano, who's another person we've seen before in the MASL. Obviously, Alejandro Leva, El Toro himself is going to be back. Kike Cañez. There are some really big powered names on this roster and we're going to dive into a few more of those names but Philly I'm kind of curious for you who are your standout players from Los Perritos de Mexico that are going to be coming north of the border to face off against the Fury next week from Sonora Kike Cañez without a doubt is going to be a formidable opponent I mean in his final in the last season the guy played in 21 games he had 33 goals and 10 assists and this guy was among the leading scorers on the team so Enrique Cañez number 99 goes by the name of Kike a midfielder, this guy is going to be a monster for the Fury to contend against. And also, from Monterey, Hugo Puentes. He had 22 goals. Now, Monterey, that final season before the world went to hell in a handbasket, went 20-2. and two. Nobody was close to them. 20-2. and two. The only two teams that defeated them that year, the year that we all went on lockdown, Sonora beat them, and Sonora was... Behind the Fury, they were 11-10-1, I think, that season. Sonora wasn't that great that season. And the Tacoma Stars were the only two teams to beat Monterey. They were the favorites to win, no doubt. Fury did catch a hot streak, but Fury did not have much luck. I think they lost one of the games 5-12 to against Monterey. Yeah, there's some other names on that roster that stand out to me as well, too. You don't have a plus 80 goal differential without an amazing keeper. And Ivan Munoz, he goes by Terry. Terry Munoz is going to be a formidable goalkeeper, potential goalkeeper of the year. He was impressive last year with M2. I'm very fascinated to see how that talent is going to translate to the senior circuit. So, so much talent coming up and down this roster. You know, we've got former MASL rookies of the year, former MASL finalists on this team. We've got people who've got outdoor experience with big clubs in Mexico. It's really, really a stacked roster. And I think all eyes of the MASL are going to be on Toyota Arena next week because people are really going to want to see what Chihuahua brings. Yeah, so overall, what? 29 players on their team, 22 of which are are from Chihuahua. We had seven players from between Sonora, Monterey, Panda. We also have some returning players from that M2 division winning team. How many of them are they bringing on? Yeah, they're bringing back eight players from that M2 team. So yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to have a huge match on our hands. It's a good thing mountain lions like chihuahuas. <laughs> That's true. In, in the mascot <laughs> war, I would say striker would probably win that. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about the leading score, like, coming in. So, obviously, Kike Cañez is somebody from Monterey. Uh, Alejandro Leva, he himself punched in 12. And then Rene, Rene Loya, he was the leading scorer on that M2 team. <laughs> Get this. In eight matches, Rene scored 31 goals. How is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, they again, you see the goal differential. Like, they killed people. Like, literally killed people. And so... They're going to want to replicate the success of, well, the team that they got their membership from. And I'm talking about Sonora. That's so- an average of four goals a game. Yeah, that's I mean, that, that's Frank Tayu numbers right there. I know. Uh, three goals is a hat trick. What are we calling four? <laughs> a murder. A death. <laughs> Assassination? <laughs> An assassination. Sorry. Sorry. I just, I, I'm looking at these numbers, and it's like, wow. That's, no, they're, that's they're, impressive. They're, they're FIFA on easy mode numbers. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Hugo de Raquentes, former Orlando Seawolf, former Monterey Hey, Clash. shout out to the Seawolves. We miss you. You know, look, there, there is some, there are some really good players on this team. Obviously, we're talking about a team that's facing completely different talent than they faced last year. If this last game has shown us anything, there is still a very big gap between M2 and M1, right? Is that talent going to translate at the senior circuit? 
Who knows? There's a big question mark there. How is a team going to come together when you have so many additions being brought in from former rivals, right? It's not like these teams got along, these Mexican teams previously. We're asking arch rivals to now play together on the same team. We're asking for a lot of egos to be checked, a lot of new tactics to come together last minute. How all of that translates to the pitch, who knows? Obviously, this team went undefeated in their last tournament, in their last season. What does that mean going into this season? There's so many question marks around this Chihuahua team. They are hands down to me the most fascinating team going into this season. And I would agree. And if you go through the bios of all these players, in some way, shape, or form, they were champions in some division of of, of indoor soccer. Fast soccer, uh, one of the leagues in, 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 in Mexico. Rapido. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of outstanding players. And again, what I, I want to say, Sonora, Sonora had an amazing debut in 2015-2016. They were red hot. A record of 17-2-1. I mean, they were killing people. I mean, they led in goals. The goal differential was a plus 86 in their inaugural year. And they lost to the Baltimore Blast in the final. They came back the next season, lost again to the Baltimore Blast in the final, and I know that Chihuahua Savage knows this. They know the history, and they're going to want to replicate and surpass that of the team whose membership was transferred over to them. So, look, the Western Conference is tough as it's going to be, okay? We have the Fury. We have what you lovingly like to refer to as the Taco Masters. You got the defending champion San Diego Soccers. Oh, and by the way, by the way, they took a couple more Fury players. We just noticed today Andy Reyes, who was on our team last season, now a member of the Soccers. And I think Charlie's brother, I think I saw him on the most recent post too. So we, there's a couple of Fury players that have gone down to San Diego. Obviously, we got a couple of Soccers that are going to be there. So these three teams themselves are going to be tough. But then you bring in the Chihuahua Savage, a team that has seven players from dynamic teams, unbelievable teams like Monterey and Sonora, mixing in with a team that went 12-0, and and then sprinkle that with some other champions within like the professional Mexican indoor soccer leagues. It's going to be tough. So, uh, they sent us a list. So there's 29 players that are on this roster. Uh, 17 of which we saw on a list that was sent over to us. The one question that we don't know, we'll probably have that answered sooner rather than later, will they all be able to get their visas in time? Will that be an issue? Will they be able to bring all their unbelievable talent to compete against us on Wednesday? And if not, will that put an asterisk on a win if we potentially beat Chihuahua? Do you think so? You know, that's a, that's a hard question to answer at this point I mean there are a lot of variables coming into this match I mean you and why don't you just throw COVID on top of all of that as well I mean there's so many things I, I don't know what to expect um, all I know is that I'm sure it's going to be a great match no matter what or who shows up at this point I mean there are clearly stacked there are a lot of players on this team that are going to be great to watch so I don't know I think we're just excited to be back in the arena we're excited to be back in an atmosphere that feels like like a home game again after last season. So I don't know. I, th- these are not, there's a lot of questions right now that aren't going to get answered until this match is actually played, unfortunately. And that's the best thing about the beginning of any season. All the questions, all mm-hmm. the fascinating developments and how they are going to play out. Who is Chihuahua? What is their team identity? How are they going to play? What are we going to see from them this year? Well, we're going to find out Wednesday. And for all you folks out there, there are plenty of tickets still available. We would love to see you out at the arena. But if you don't get a chance to come out and join us, you can, of course, catch Philly and I and Panda on MASL TV. We are really looking forward to bringing this action to you. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the Chihuahua team or the upcoming match? I mean, I'm excited for it. Obviously, I'm a little nervous because I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I think if we can really give Chihuahua a run for their money, I think we stand a really good shot at coming out of the West. The, the playoffs, that we have divisions now, the, the top two teams are going to you know, obviously do their thing. It's, I think it's going to be between us and Chihuahua. I'd, I'd hate to say this right now, but I think Tacoma is a little um, on the long-tooth side. And as great as the San Diego Soccers are, I don't feel that they're going to have the firepower uh, or the youth that they're going to need on their side in order for them to contend with the Fury and Chihuahua. But either way, I think it's going to be a tough decision, uh, a tough matchup, an exciting one. But I think these are going to be the two teams that are going to come out of the West. Certainly when it comes to depth, you have to look at the San Diego squad and say, yes, they're the current reigning champions. Yes, there's talent on that roster. Tacoma, like 
Philly said earlier is a team that just from an average age standpoint, especially of their star players, seems to be a little bit older than you would expect. So you would have to say it's going to be Fury versus Savage, but uh, we will see. Um, you know, is it going to be a bark in the park and are the Chihuahuas going to run wild on us or <laughs> or is it going to be the mountain lions who claim it? Uh, it's it's fascinating. You know, I think at the end of the day, I think players aside, depth aside, all that, I think that the Fury and the Savage both have the most to prove at this point too. I think you've got the Fury coming off of what they deem a disappointing finish to a season that they really want to come back and and, you know, kind of like proved everyone that they should have been the champs at the end of that season. And then you've got the Savage coming in as kind of the new guys with all this firepower. And again, you know, taking on, you know, from Sonora that they want to kind of like prove that that was a worthy, you know, trade in that sense. So I think they both have a lot on the plate as far as proving themselves to the league as well. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that the soccer's, you know, they're kind of resting on their laurels as champions and doing their thing down there in laid back San Diego. So are they going to have that intestinal fortitude that it's going to take to really rise up to where these guys are going to be already? I, I don't know if depth is a thing with the soccer's. I actually think they have plenty of depth. The question is, I think it's going to be very crowded and defining who's going to do what is going to be interesting. Like Charlie, for example, how's he going to fit in that crowded midfield? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry there goes, but we'll be seeing that over the course of the season. Uh, I did want to bring something up to, to everybody's attention. Maicon de Abreu. We've been asked about him. People are concerned. Where's Maicon? Rest assured, my cone is in Brazil. He's strong. He's happily married, as I'm sure you've seen via his social media. He's been rehabbing and training in the offseason. And the only thing that we are waiting on is some paperwork to come through for his visas to come through. And uh, I spoke with him earlier today. He thinks by the end of this month, he, he should be back. So he'll miss the match against Chihuahua. He'll miss the Furies road games against the Florida Tropics. But we should have him for the 2022 segment of the year. So that's the story with my cone. And as far as the Fury are concerned, okay, this is our only home matchup for the rest of this month, the rest of this year, if you will. Come through, get your tickets. There's still plenty of available. We have special opportunities. It's already been raffled off this point, but throughout the remaining remaining 11 games of this season, between Panda, Jonathan, and I, we have season tickets at Toyota Arena. Section 103, that's the club level. Row B, aisle seats, one and two. We're obviously not going to be sitting in them. And as a result of that, we want somebody to sit in them. We don't want them to go to waste. Why, silly, uh, who, who might that person be that will be sitting in those seats? Well, if you're listening to this podcast... Well, it could be you. You could be the lucky person to have those seats. And I'm going to be super jealous because apparently I just learned on this podcast that I don't have a seat. No, because you're gonna be you're gonna be working. I know. I'm you'll be, be standing around. around. I'm gonna carry a folding chair around from like you know spot to spot. You could just sit on the bench there, right next to John Spire. Those are the best <laughs> seats in the house. What are you talking about? It's scary down there. I just want to tell you that I have been Why? down there. <laughs> Why is it scary? I'm curious. Because one, you can hear all the the talking, and when I say talking, it is not family friendly. Sometimes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, and <laughs> the balls are flying. The balls are flying at your head. Again, not never fam- a good thing. Not family friendly either, <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's very very intense down there, and it's just like I don't know, it, it's crazy. So, anyways, whoever is going to end up with the seats that we're talking about, you're going to have a much more pleasant experience than having balls thrown at your head. <laughs> you know, Panda, you you allude to something there that Philly and I noticed for this last game, and that's of course. The short boards are back. Yeah, there's no more point. glass along the uh, sides of the arena. So how is that going to change? You know, each team's ability to play out this year. And we know some of the arenas that are sharing with hockey teams are still going to have the high glass. A lot of teams, as COVID regulations have been rolled back, are now going to be moving back to the short glass. So uh, definitely be advised if you sit in those front seats, uh, you are in the splash zone. It's fascinating to me that they would do that, considering this whole goalkeeper rule was kind of put into place to kind of keep the ball moving, keep it going forward, keep it more fast and intense. And I think that's the one thing that we gathered from last season with the addition of these boards is how much the ball was kept in play, how much it kept moving. So I'm real curious if they're ever going to maybe revisit that back. Maybe they're trying to see what this looks like without it. Do they like the fan interaction more than they like keeping the ball in play? Like what's going to be the focus? Are they kind of maybe just seeing what, 
they think works at the end of all well, of it? Well, I think from a coaching staff perspective, they're probably going to like it because there's just more stoppages and more time for their players to catch a break and a breather. So that could be something. But obviously, from a fan perspective, I mean, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense. The game's faster. It's more exciting. But at the same time, you don't have that interaction. I mean, I don't know what the, the proper answer is. But either way, it's going to be interesting because, I, I mean, I haven't seen all the teams haven't played yet. So we don't know if all of them are going to have the high board. So we'll, we'll see. But and if you're a fan sitting in that front row, would you prefer to be able to bang on the glass and, you know, maybe take a moment to eat your hot dog without worried about taking one off the beak? Or do you <laughs> want that visibility, right? Um, all of those things, you know, uh, we don't know. I'd like to hear from the fans about that. I think they need retractable boards during gameplay. They're up and then maybe like in between, like at halftime, at the end of the game, they come down. So you can still have that fan interaction. Where's that at? So maybe that's what we need. That's our million dollar idea. We're going to invent that. That's how we're going to get out of this this middle class status of ours. <laughs> right. We're going to create retractable boards. I imagine they wouldn't be cheap, but maybe we make them cheap. Maybe that's it. That's how we'll make money. Schmitty, we're and moving we'll on up. We're moving up, Schmitty. Schmitty's totally passed out. He's no longer on Jonathan's notes. He's close enough, though, to my ugly sweater that's got Santa pooping down a chimney. Yeah. Real quick, I I brought this up. I just wanted you to know. All right, so we have tickets that we're going to be giving away. If you listen to this podcast and you hit us up, right, and say, Philly, I heard that you're giving away free tickets on the game. If you're the first person to DM me, and don't, you know, say, hey, Philly, can I have the match in April? No, like DM me like that week. And the tickets are yours. And guess what? I may even throw a parking pass. So you get to go to the game for free. Section 103, row B, seats 1 and 2. You are close to the action. Free tickets there. Free parking pass. And uh, yeah, a great bit of action. So all you got to do is DM Striking Fury the week of the game that you want to go to. And if you're the first one, you get the tickets. Does that sound fair? That's a beautiful deal. But speaking of beautiful, there is one thing we also saw in this last game that I wanted to highlight as well, too. What's that? That's those beautiful new jerseys from Oh, Humboldt. yeah. Hummel. Oh, my goodness. Those new Hummel jerseys are fantastic. I want all of them. I want a black one. I want a white one. I might even want one of those gray shirts with the Kyrell number on the back. Those were cool as well, too. Um, so if anyone's looking to check the box uh, for the doctor's Christmas list, uh, by all <laughs> means, uh, you could send some jerseys my way. Maybe not even a Fury jersey. I would ex- I would accept jerseys from, from anywhere. If you like my particularly colorful name for your team, whether you're the Taco Masters, Los Perritos de Mexico, the Baltimore Boom Booms, you name it, uh, and you want to send me a jersey i would happily sport that and maybe we could trade maybe what we got to start doing is trading scarves with people who listen to this podcast that support other teams i mean i want i want to see a blast scarf hanging out here i want to see a tropic scarf hanging out here ultimately i want since i do the masl insider uh uh, show I'd love to have every team scarf behind me rather than like a handful of jerseys so we'll go ahead and make a guarantee right now Philly and I are going to walk the concourse after our post game show for every game so if you are hanging out inside Toyota Arena we're going to head down after we wrap up our post game responsibilities we're going to do a lap around the stadium to say hello to you fans and if you want to come meet us over at the Fury merch table after a game we will buy you a brand new Fury scarf in exchange for your away support scarf. I will happily throw down on that right now. Oh, okay. I mean, you you heard it from the doctor himself, and so yeah, that's that's the story. All right, folks. I mean, we've all uh, if you've got to this far, clearly again you like us, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, again, round round around the room. Any final thoughts, Panda? We'll start with you. Um, I apologize for the lack of pandalicious content on this podcast because <laughs> obviously <laughs> we were playing that in the operating room today, so it's like stuck in my head. So it's pandalicious. It's my, it, it's my new theme Pandalic- song at work. Anyways, yeah, I, I can't wait to talk more about this and be you know right there in the action for this next game on Wednesday. It's going to be so much fun. I've got to get my outfits ready. I got my outfit ready. Nope, we don't need you to talk about it. I think people just need to see it. Um, You guys are in for a nice surprise. And no, it's not his ugly sweater with Santa pooping down a chimney. Uh, It might be very Santa Claus-esque, though. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. But anyways, now all I want to say is super excited to get this season going. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of action. Boys are going to be super busy in the booth. Thankfully, no one will be switching jerseys mid-game. So you guys have already been tested and have passed. So it's only going to get easier from here, right? 
Yeah, it was nice of them to give us a heads up on that. <laughs> yeah, I like seconds before. Oh, look, everybody's on different teams and wearing <laughs> the same number. Yay. See, oh, right. if you can handle that, you're going to be able to handle these <laughs> games with flying colors. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Uh, that was that was a curveball for sure. When we saw them come out of the locker rooms and we're like, uh, how are we going to do this? <laughs> Como say what the heck just happened? <laughs> Perfect. Anyways, right. yes, let's do it. All right, John, any Rise thoughts? Rise with fury, bleed fury. Red and black attack, baby. We're going to take care of Chihuahua on Wednesday. And uh, that's about it. DM us. We're giving out free tickets. Can I DM you for tickets? You are working. <laughs> Dang it. I, was just, I told you I wanted a seat. <laughs> I mean, you have access to the entire arena. You could probably convince Stryker to like borrow his ATV and we could have a Pandalicious sighting on an ATV. Oh my God. I kind of want to hear more about the playlist that's going on mid-surgery. I want to know like what a surgeon is toe-tapping to while he's taking that appendix out. <laughs> this, this, this is great content. I could totally do a whole podcast about what music I listen to during the day, honestly. Like, it's... It's very eclectic. Let's just say that. No doubt. All right, Fury Faithful. Again, we appreciate the love, the support. Thank you for making Striking Fury what it is. And uh, we we turned a year. uh, So our 25th episode is right around the time of our one-year anniversary. And thank you. you, The reason we do this is for y'all. And the the feedback has been great. And obviously, it's led to broadcasting careers for all the three of us. So I guess we're doing something correct. I'm I'm very happy with it. Uh, Happy one year to us. Yeah. Hashtag championship bound. Championship bound, and you know how we end our podcast. Strike hard. Oh, what is it? Rise with fury. Sorry, it's been a minute. You can keep that in. I wasn't ready. I'm sorry. Uh, She goes championship bound. Didn't remember how we ended the pod. Strike hard. Rise with fury. No. You were just listening to Striking Fury with Philly and Panda, the official podcast for your Ontario Furies. And powered by Ford. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at Striking Fury. Ontario Fury.